Dr. Andreas Rimner is a radiation oncologist at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. Dr. Rimner joins us today for a conversation about radiation oncology for mesothelioma. Specifically, he discusses various ways in which patients can benefit from radiation therapy, including an overview of different types of radiation and different modes of treatment. Dr. Rimner is interviewed by the Mesothelioma Applied Research Foundation's Patient Services Director, Shannon Sinclair. MesoTV is a video program adapted to audio only for this podcast, produced by the Mesothelioma Applied Research Foundation. The Mesothelioma Applied Research Foundation, a national 501c3 nonprofit organization, provides patient support and education services, funds peer-reviewed research, and advocates for increased funding of mesothelioma research. This season of programming is made possible with the support of our generous sponsors. They are MRHFM, Bristol-Myers Squibb, NovoCure, Merck, The Gory Law Firm, TCR Square, AstraZeneca, Early Lucarelli Sweeney, and Misenkothen. Visit curemiso.org to learn more. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for um, being on this episode of Miso TV. Today, I am happy to say that we have Dr. Rimner from Memorial Sloan Kettering with us. He's a radiation oncologist, and I'll let you introduce yourself and um, say a little bit about what you do. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm Andreas Rimner, as you said. I am a thoracic radiation oncologist at Memorial Sloan Kettering and the director of thoracic radiation oncology research here. And I've had a long focus on, uh, on, on research and clinical care for patients with malignant pleural mesothelioma. And so that's a um, clinical as well as a research interest of mine. Great. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, I know I get a lot of questions based upon uh, radiation and how it's used and what is used. Um, so I guess the first thing I wanted to have you explain is what exactly radiation is and um, what type of radiation do we most use in the space of mesothelioma right now? Yeah, um, so ionizing radiation is essentially high energy x-rays and we use them to kill cancer cells. In, that's in the broadest uh, term uh, describing what radiation can do. So it's a much higher energy than what we use to take pictures of the, the inside of the body. Um, and when we use those high energies and deposit them in the cells, uh, more specifically in the DNA that of, of the cancer cells, then that, that leads to DNA breaks and to cancer cell death, and subsequently to reduction of tumors or even eradication of tumors um, as those cells die. Um, and, most, oh, go ahead. Yeah. The most common techniques that we use nowadays are um, IMRT, intensity modulated radiation therapy, um, that is sometimes combined with special imaging techniques that then constitutes SBRT, stereotactic body radiation therapy. And we also increasingly, increasingly use proton therapy, which is a special kind of uh, radiation therapy that's technically not x-rays, but a small particle, not that it feels any different from a patient perspective, but physically, it's a different uh, kind of radiation that has uh, very unique properties that can be particularly useful in, in mesothelium, and we can talk about more details. Yeah, thank you. And I just wanted to kind of clarify for um, patients that might be watching this, but those radiations are all done externally. Nothing is done internally. Yes, that's correct. These uh, techniques that I just described are all external beam radiation therapy techniques or variations of it. 
And so that means that radiation gets delivered while the patient is in the treatment room on a, essentially a flat table, like a CAT scan table. And um, there's no radiation before and there's no radiation afterwards in the body. So it goes right through the body um, or you know, deposits all the energy inside the body. So as soon as the patient walks out of the room, they can be with their family, there, there are no restrictions. So it's, it's very simple from a practical perspective. And as far as the um, IMRT, the intensity modulated radiation therapy, what is the difference of that versus proton beam? Because I feel like people know um, kind of more of the buzz around proton beam um, as opposed to IMRT. Yeah, um, IMRT is, has been and is the workhorse of radiation therapy across many different disease sites. Um, what really made it unique, and it was developed in the you know, uh, mid-2000s, well, late, late 90s, early 2000s, um, is that we can treat unusual shapes with it um, and um, treat them what we call very conformally, meaning the radiation tar uh, coverage uh, adapts to the shape of the tumor. So we can treat oddly shaped tumors. We can go around you know, a curve uh, like the chest wall or the ribs that are curved and avoid whatever is in between. So that's the big advantage and strength of IMRT. Um, both IMRT and proton therapy are extremely novel and modern radiation techniques. There's um, no clear um, advantage to one in all situations over the other. It really depends on how each patient is built on the inside, how the, how the anatomy is, where the tumor is located, and what we're trying to avoid. So in certain situations, protons can be very beneficial, um, especially when we're treating a tumor that uh, is in front of an organ that we're trying to avoid. And ideally, there should be a little gap in between so we can um, treat with a proton radiation and stop the radiation beam right between the tumor and the organ that we're trying to avoid. Because protons have the unique property that they don't go through the body like x-rays do, but they can come in from one direction and then stop inside the body. So if the geometry is right, protons are you know, uniquely advantageous in those situations. Um, but there's many other situations where IMRT is equally good or even better sometimes. So each time we look at the patient, you know, what we're trying to achieve, what we're trying to treat and what we're trying to avoid, and then decide which technique is optimal for that kind of scenario. Tailor it to the patient. And I would, I would imagine that um, both types of those are from specialized machines. One of the big reasons why um, getting in with somebody who treats mesothelioma quite often is, is ideal for these patients. Yeah, these are very precise machines, all of them. So it's nowadays less a question of, can we precisely deliver the radiation? But it's more a question of, does the radiation oncologist who you know, programs the machine with their team of physicists, do they know how to accurately de design a radiation treatment? Do they know how, what needs to be targeted, what needs to be avoided, and do they have experience with that? So it's more about what you tell the machine to do than the precision or the technical precision of the machine itself, because all of these machines are extremely precise. And for a patient, um, is there a limit to the amount of radiation that somebody can have in their lifetime? So yes, there is, although we are pushing the envelope on that con continuously. 
Um, in the old days, there was a mantra that you could only have radiation to one part of the body once, and then that was it. That was your lifetime limit. That has certainly changed uh, a lot. We are doing a lot more what we call re-irradiation, meaning a second time or sometimes even a third time if it's necessary to the same area. Um, but it is a very individually individualized approach. Uh, obviously, the risks go up every time we treat the same area a second time or even more. Uh, third time or so. Um, and it has to be a conversation with the patient uh, in terms of what they are willing to take in terms of risks, um, how they tolerated previous radiation treatments, uh, how this would stack up or compare to what was treated before, um, what the time interval is between the treatments. So a lot of factors go into that decision making. But in principle, it is much more possible than before because of our very modern, precise radiation techniques. And when it comes to other parts of the body, there's really no limit. So if we treated one area, but then something shows up somewhere else, that that is not limited by the previous radiation to another part of the body. Okay, thank you. Um, I just wanted you to kind of explain sort of the current thought um, and maybe the, also the past thought because we are you know, hopefully moving towards something different with radiation, but how have we used it before with mesothelioma? Yeah, radiation has long been used for palliation, just for symptom management in situations where we um, were trying just to improve the patient's quality of life. And radiation is still widely used for that and very helpful for that. So I'm talking about areas um, where there's tumor compressing airways or blood vessels or tumor invading the chest wall causing pain. Those are uh, sort of the, the classic scenarios where radiation can be really helpful. Even in that space, radiation has evolved and we are able to deliver higher radiation doses than we were able to do before uh, in fewer treatments. And, and um, with that, we are able to achieve longer term control or eradication of the tumor and better improvement in terms of uh, pain relief or local symptoms. Um, so even in the palliative realm, things have improved. Um, but that is what, where it was historically used the most. And I know we're trying to move now. Um, you have a few um, clinical trials that are open right now. And I just wanted to sort of talk about um, why radiation is used for certain things. So if a patient is treated upfront um, with chemotherapy and surgery and then radiation follows that, mm -hmm. what is the goal for giving the radiation in that scenario? Yeah, so that very much depends on how surgery has evolved in uh, malignant chorioma. The trend in surgery has been away from removing the entire lung to just removing the pleura itself and the mesothelioma that grows along the pleura. And that leaves the, the lung, the involved side of the lung in place. So the patient still has both lungs after that type of surgery. Um, however, this type of surgery is never a complete surgery even in the best surgeon's hands, it's just not possible to remove every microscopic cell in, with, with that approach. And um, uh, you, you can remove everything that you can grossly see by eye, but we know that it's not possible to remove all microscopic cells. And because of that, almost invariably, at some point, the mesothelioma comes back. Now, why is that now becoming the preferred surgery? It's because for um, one reason or another, um, patients do better with this surgery than when 
um, both when the entire lung is removed. Even though the removal of the entire lung seems like the more complete surgery from an oncologic perspective, it's a harder surgery to get through and a harder surgery to recover from. And presumably also, if there is a recurrence, it leaves fewer options than if a patient still has both lungs. And so because of that, the trend in, among the surgeons has been to preserve both lungs. But then with the less aggressive, still plenty aggressive surgery of removing the, the, the entire pleura. Because of that, though, because we know that there are cells left behind, um, radiation, we, we developed a technique to uh, deliver radiation to whatever mi might remain there in terms of microscopic tumor cells. And so we have developed a technique that can treat the entire pleural space or where the pleura was and avoid the lung on that side, on the inside, and of course also avoid the other lung that's still um, in, in place and, and healthy, hopefully. Yes. And, um, and, and that is a unique technique that we have developed at Memorial Sloan Kettering and have uh, gone through several phase two trials and are now um, spearheading as a phase three national trial. So it is really an adaptation to how surgery has evolved. Um, right. how we on the radiation quality side have adapted to that. So when we give it after surgery, um, the goal is to hopefully pick up any sort of microscopic cells that may have been left behind um, from the actual surgery. Correct. And the hope is that by killing those, um, we will delay any recurrence of the tumor or even eradicate it and, and have it not recur. And we have some inkling and some uh, preliminary data that points in that direction from our phase two trials. So with mesothelioma, um, because with some other cancers, such as maybe lung cancer, um, radiation can be given also prior to surgery. Does that happen with mesothelioma ever? Yeah, um, especially in Toronto, uh, the group by John Cho and Mark DePerot have really spearheaded and developed a unique technique to use a similar radiation technique, but before surgery. And um, they are really the experts on that. I think with all of these radiation techniques, um, one has to keep in mind, it very much depends on the institutional experience and the experience of the treating physician, yes. the surgeon, as well as the radiation oncologist. Sort of alluding to what I said earlier, um, you need to, <clears throat> it, it is very operator dependent. And we don't, often don't think about radiation as being so operator dependent when it comes to surgery, we think, yes, of course, it matters who the surgeon <laughs> is. It's actually very similar in radiation because the machine doesn't know by itself what to do. And right. it's highly individualized for each patient. So that's where, where the expertise comes in from. Yes, absolutely. Um, I know now kind of looking ahead and one of the trials that you actually have open that we will talk about um, is looking at combining radiation with immunotherapy. Why are we wanting to pair the two of these together? Yeah. So in both our national phase three trial, which is NRGLU006, combining systemic therapy, the surgery, and uh, the radiation at the end, um, we have now allowed immunotherapy because um, immunotherapy is given more and more commonly um, in the community as well as at the mesothelioma centers um, because there's been some promising um, results with that. And so again, we have to adapt when we design our trials and when we design what will be the next, hopefully be the next standard of care, we have to adapt to the changing landscape. And it's great news for our patients um, because each of these steps is a small step in, in towards improvement of our outcomes. 
um, our patients' outcomes rather. And so we now allow patients to get chemotherapy or immunotherapy or a combination of those before surgery and before they would enroll on the NRGLU006 trial and then get randomized to either getting the radiation or not in order to prove really what the impact of the radiation is and also what the quality of life will be after after these this triple three, uh, treatment of, of systemic therapy, surgery, and, and radiation therapy. And um, in another trial that we only have at Memorial Sloan Kettering, we are combining palliative radiation to the entire flora with immunotherapy at the same time. And um, that also is uh, a step based on how things have developed. A lot of patients are now getting immunotherapy, not only upfront, but also in the second line or third line setting, meaning after they have progressed, unfortunately, after the first round of treatment um, or second round of treatment. Um, but many of these patients still have uh, mesothelioma only along the pleura and not anywhere else in the body. And so the goal of that is, number one, to prove that it's safe to combine immunotherapy and radiation, but also to see whether we can uh, get any synergy of doing the two together, because at least um, in other disease sites, as well as um, in, in preclinical work and laboratory studies, there's a lot of um, synergy that we have observed by combining immunotherapy and radiation, where the radiation can essentially um, break the tumor open, make it more uh, damage it or, or make it more recognizable to the immune system. And then the immunotherapy can activate the immune system to recognize it even more and get uh, more wrapped up so that the immune system can fight the mesothelioma more effectively. So radiation can be a great uh, way of activating it or making it more visible to the immune system. So I guess I'll jump into that trial first, just because um, we're talking about it a little bit. But so um, in that trial where you're doing immunotherapy uh, with palliative radiation, um, is there a specific immunotherapy drug that they're being given or are they on the combo? Um, no, um, the, the, the drug is pembrolizumab. Okay. Um, and uh, the company provide, that makes pembrolizumab uh, provides the drug. Um, so it, uh, patients can get it for free on that trial. Okay. Um, and, uh, that, but that's why we're also bound to that drug. We can't just combine any drugs. So the, the trials are very specific in how they are designed and which drugs we can use. So that's the drug that we use. Okay. And with the um, Pembro or the Keytruda, are we giving that alongside the radiation? Are we doing radiation first, after, um, or is it kind of together? So it's alongside. Um, patients get one dose of uh, the Pembro, then they get five doses of radiation. So it's a short course of radiation. Okay. And then they continue on the Pembro. Okay. Perfect. For a year. Okay. Okay. Um, and then my other question for you is that um, side effect profile. So knowing that um, the immunotherapies can um, give pneumonitis to patients, um, as well as radiation can, have we seen that be a more prevalent um, side effect in these patients? Um, does it seem to worsen when you combine the two, I guess? Yeah. So that, that's certainly one of the big questions um, of this trial. Um, it has not been combined with radiation to the entire flora before. And so that's one of the questions that we try to answer. What we have done in the past is we have combined um, immunotherapy with stereotactic radiation. 
That's a phase one trial that we've com recently completed and we did not see an increase in pneumonitis uh, beyond what we would expect from radiation alone or the immunotherapy alone. Um, and um, in other settings, we have also combined immunotherapy and, and radiation, for instance, in lung cancer, where, it, you know, where we have a lot more patients and a lot more trials. And there we also only see an additive effect, meaning, yes, you have the risk of pneumonitis from the immunotherapy, you have a risk of pneumonitis from the radiation. And when you combine them, you get the same, just you know, added up. Uh, but we don't see an increase over what we would expect from each of the treatment by itself. Great. That's, that's really great. Um, yeah. In the trial, looking at Pembro and um, palliative of radiation, uh, are there different arms to this trial? Kind of how is it laid out for these patients? Does everybody get that when they go on this trial? Yeah, everybody gets the treatment. It's not a randomized trial. There's no placebo. Um, so everybody knows what they're getting. What we're doing is we are starting at a, a certain radiation dose and we're escalating it based on the safety profile. Okay. So we're trying to see how high we can go with, with the radiation and the Pembro dose stays the same, which is the standard dose. Okay. And obviously this is probably a patient that's already seen um, some sort of first-line therapy. So if they have had prior immunotherapy um, at some point in time, are they still eligible to enroll in this trial? Yes. Um, there's a four-week washout window, so uh, they they have to take a break for four weeks, which is usually what it takes anyway to get everything ready. Um, uh, but that's the that's the only rule. They can't oh. have had prior systemic therapy, including immunotherapy. And for somebody that would be traveling for this trial, um, because the Pembro is being provided, um, yeah. I would assume that means that all of the treatments are going to be given at um, Sloan Kettering. Yes, unfortunately, even though Pembro, of course, is available elsewhere, when you're on trial, you have to get it at the institution that um, uh, performs the trial. So the Pembro is every three weeks. And um, of course, in between, you could you know, travel home. You don't have to be here Correct. continuously. But every three weeks, uh, one would have to come here um, to, to get the infusion. Um, there's a little bit of a window for each time point. So we can be a little bit flexible, but not in definitely flexible. Right, right. No, that's a very exciting trial. Um, I think, you know, trying to see what the synergy is between the two. Mm -hmm. I'm switching over to the other trial that you have, um, the NRGLU006 um, trial. So that is a randomized trial that's looking at surgery um, plus systemic therapy, which you had said could be chemotherapy or the combination immunotherapy. And then there are two arms to this. So one is with the addition of um, the radiation and one is actually without the addition of radiation. So standard treatment. Um, and then, you know, my understanding and just for the patients watching, this would be a first line strategy. That's correct. So patients with newly diagnosed mesothelioma, they can have had systemic therapy first which is quite common that a, a local oncologist will start them on something when they are diagnosed. But when it comes to the point of uh, having surgery, um, let's say after a good response to the systemic therapy, um, at that point, they would have to be enrolled on the trial prior to surgery. The surgery has to be done specifically per the guidelines of the protocol, okay. which is very rigorous, in the hands of an experienced surgeon who also has to be qualified for the protocol okay. um, to open the study. And then the radiation also is done only at the centers um, that participate. And um, we okay. do central review of 
every radiation plant. So no matter where in the country you get treated, we at Memorial Sloan Kettering will review the radiation and make sure it's up to standard. Okay. Um, uh, because it is, it is, as I said, a complex radiation technique. Yes. And so not everybody has experience with that. They may have the machines to do it, but they may have never treated something like that before. And so we committed to helping everyone and, and teaching everyone to, to use this technique. And in this trial, um, is it set how the um, surgery or the systemic therapy has to be given? So you said that somebody can have systemic therapy prior to surgery. Could it also be that they have surgery first and then the systemic therapy? Yes, we allow for both sequences because there's a lot of institutional variation in how it's approached. It also depends on what it looks like at presentation, at diagnosis. Sometimes surgery first is recommended, sometimes systemic therapy first is recommended. So we allow for both. If you do get surgery first, you have to enroll again before the surgery. Prior to, okay. And then the systemic therapy would be done on study, um, typically four cycles of chemotherapy, which is standard. Okay. Um, and I guess, you know, for, for these types of patients, they can get the actual chemotherapy or immunotherapy at their local oncologist. Um, but then obviously, like you had said, surgery and the radiation needs to be done at a center that has a mesothelioma, you know, experts, um, working those those two different aspects. That, that's correct, yes. The systemic okay. therapy can be done locally as long as it is within the guidelines of what we what we ask for on, on, the, on the study. Um, okay. If it's before study enrollment, if they get it first, then you know, there are obviously no guidelines. We'll just record what, what you got. Um, um, but the surgery and the radiation has to be done at a center that has the study open. Okay, um, at this perfect. point, we have 16 centers open um, across the U.S. So if there's any question, I'm happy to check or we are happy to check whether there's a center near you. Okay, great. And as far as the radiation goes, um, are they allowed? So are we using the IMRT? Are we using um, proton beam? Are they both allowed within the study? Yeah, both are allowed. For the reasons that I explained earlier, we just want to do what's best for the patient. And sometimes the photons or the IMRT are better, and sometimes the protons are better. So um, if there is a proton facility available at your center, then that is certainly allowed for protocol um, and preferred if it turns out to be the better radiation plan. And I'm sorry, but you said there are 16 currently um, facilities across the United States that are yeah. enrolling for this study. Yes. Great. And um, for the first trial that we talked about, the PEMBRO and the radiation, that one is actually just being done internally at Sloan Kettering, correct? Correct. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. I, I think that this has been just so helpful. Um, and I think it's great that we're moving towards trying to see if radiation, um, you know, has any sort of a beneficial effect for mesothelioma as we know it does in other spaces. Mm -hmm. um, so much, much needed research um, for these types of patients that would be eligible for these trials. So thank you for being on with us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you.